Good morning, everyone, and welcome to Overeaters Anonymous, a vision for you big book study. My name is Larry Kay, and I'm a recovered compulsive overeater. Today is Friday, June 7, 2019, and today we are reading from the big book. Imagine that. Uh, we're, we are currently on page 31, the second paragraph, and it starts, here are some of the methods. We're going to read the one paragraph only. So today's readers, we have uh, Carmela G on the um, 12 steps, and we have Pam M on the 12 traditions. And the readers of the text, we have Hoodie uh, are reading the text. Okay. The share ID for yesterday, Thursday, June 6, 2019, for the 7 a.m. meeting, that number is 13,004. That's 13004. And for the 10 a.m. meeting, uh, that is 13,006, 13006. The OA preamble, Overeaters Anonymous is a fellowship of individuals who through shared experience, strength, and hope are recovering from compulsive overeating. We welcome everyone who wants to stop eating compulsively. <clears throat> there are no dues or fees for members. We are self-supporting through our own contributions, neither soliciting nor accepting outside donations. OA is not affiliated with any public or private organization, political movement, ideology, or religious doctrine. We take no position on outside issues. Our primary purpose is to abstain from compulsive eating and compulsive food behaviors and to carry the message of recovery through the 12 steps of OA to those who still suffer. Our sole purpose, OA's fifth tradition states, each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. At A Vision for You Big Book study, our message is that people who suffer from compulsive overeating can recover through abstinence and the practice of the 12 steps and the 12 traditions of Overeaters Anonymous. So let me now ask, hey, Carmela G, would you read the 12 steps for us? Good morning, this is Carmela G from New York, a grateful compulsive overeater recovered for today. The 12 steps of Overeaters Anonymous. We admitted we were powerless over food, that our lives had become unmanageable. Two, came to believe that a power greater than ourselves could restore us to sanity. Three, made a decision to turn our will and our lives over to the care of God as we understood him. Four, made a searching and fearless moral inventory of ourselves. Five, admitted to God, to ourselves, and to another human being the exact nature of our wrongs. Six, we're entirely ready to have God remove all these defects of character. Seven, humbly asked him to remove our shortcomings. Eight, made a list of all persons we had harmed and became willing to make amends to them all. Nine, made direct amends to such people wherever possible, except when to do so would injure them or others. Ten, continued to take personal inventory, and when we were wrong, promptly admitted it. Eleven, saw through prayer and meditation to improve our conscious contact with God as we understood him, praying only for knowledge of his will for us and the power to carry that out. And twelve, having had a spiritual awakening as a result of these steps, we tried to carry this message to compulsive overeaters and to practice these principles 
in all our affairs. I pass. Thanks, Carmela. All right, Pam M., you're on for the 12 Traditions. Good morning. <laughs> Good morning. Blessed morning, everyone. <laughs> How's that for an intro? That was great. First time reading. <laughs> so this is Pam M. from upstate New York. Um, and the 12 Traditions of Overeaters Anonymous are, one, our common welfare should come first. Personal recovery depends upon OA unity. For our group purpose, there is but one ultimate authority, a loving God as he may express himself in our group conscious. Our leaders are but trusted servants. They do not govern. Three, the only requirement for OA membership is the desire to stop eating compulsively. Four, each group should be autonomous except in, the, <clears throat> except in matters affecting other groups or OA as a whole. Five, each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. Six, an OA group ought never endorse, finance, or lend the OA name to any related facility or outside enterprise, lest problems of money, property, and prestige divert us from our primary purpose. Seven, every OA group ought to be fully self-supporting, declining outside contributions. Eight, Overeaters Anonymous should remain forever non-professional, but our service centers may employ special workers. Nine, OA as such ought never be organized, but we may create service boards or committees directly responsible to those they serve. Ten, Overeaters Anonymous has no opinion on outside issues, hence the OA name ought never be drawn into public controversy. 11, our public relations policy is based on attraction rather than promotion. We need always maintain personal anonymity at the level of press, radio, films, television, and other public media of communication. 12, anonymity is the spiritual foundation of all of these traditions, ever reminding us to place principles before personalities. I pass. Magnificent. Thank you. Thanks, Pam. Okay. Here's how our meeting works. Our meeting focuses on the directions for recovery described in the big book of Alcoholics Anonymous. We read a paragraph or two from the literature, then stop and share on what was read. Anyone can share, but we ask that you keep your sharing to the topic and literature that we are discussing, and that you keep your share to approximately three minutes. Singleness of purpose reminds us to identify as compulsive readers only. Our abstinence requirement for moderators is one year, for readers it's six months, and there is no abstinence requirement for sharing on topic. This meeting does request that your sharing be directly linked to what was read, and of course we are sharing what the directions in the big book mean to us. If you'd like to share, press star one to unmute your phone, and once you're done sharing, let us know by saying pass, then press star one to mute your phone. In order to have a quiet meeting, everyone's phone except the speaker should be muted. So today we are in the chapter more about alcoholism. We are on page 31, and Hoodie's going to read the second paragraph only. It's here are some of the methods. Hi, Hoodie. Good morning. Hello, Larry. This is Hoodie. Uh, Come on, reader. Recover today. 
Okay, here are some of the methods we have tried. Drinking beer only, limiting the number of drinks. Never drinking alone. Never drinking in the morning. Drinking only at home. Never having it in the house. Never drinking during business hours. Drinking only at parties. Switching from scotch to brandy. Drinking only natural wines. Agreeing to resign if ever drunk on the job. Taking a trip. Not taking a trip. Swearing off forever, with or without a solemn oath. Taking more physical exercise. Reading inspirational books. Going to health farms and sanitariums. Accepting voluntary commitment to asylums. We could increase the list ad infinitum. And, of course, this paragraph, I read it in drinking form and all these different methods I could relate to in my compulsive overeating disease. Here are some of the methods we have tried. What have I tried? I have tried numerous ways so that I could be thin like everyone else and eat normally. I, did not, I didn't want to be different. So I tried different ways of how I could get skinny and so that I could be happy and peaceful once more and, um, and fit into those, you know, clothing. But anyways, I would only, I, for example, I would just drink water all day. That will sure get me. Oh, I would fast for a whole day and then at night hopefully go on the scale and say, whoops, I have, gained, I have lost a pound. Um, you know, I was, um, you know, I had a, a collection of all different, like, diet journals with day ones on it to see, you know, and all these, like, journals of, like, different, like, the foods I could eat, either the points of st- oh, counting points, counting calories. Just eating healthy. Okay, I'm only going to eat whole wheat, whole wheat, and oh, I'm going to only eat sugar-free. You know, I'm gonna, you know, I'm gonna diet my way out so that I could be at my wedding, I could be thin. So like, I'm just gonna stop eating. And um, you know what? All those methods really did not work for me. You know, I needed to stop experimenting. You know, it's that we here on the line. You know that how many t- how often we have this experimentation? Are you quit? Are you finished? Are you finished yet? Are you done? And you know what? I was done. I was done trying to be normal. I'm happy today that I am. Um, I I come to the awareness that I'm not normal. I cannot. I will not and cannot eat like other people, like other normal people do, and it's okay. But thank God I have this program. I have a program of recovery that when I stick to it, when I do what it takes and follow the direct directions, I can get well, and I am getting well. So I put down the food and I follow the direction of someone else who has recovered. You know, this this method, this is a proven method. These 12 steps has restored my, my soul, has return, restored my life, and I'm no longer the person that I used to be. And I'm so grateful that today I'm, I was able to quit my idea of how I should eat, put that in the hand of someone else, and take action to continue on to get rid of the most, the, the worst problem that I have, and that's my mental problem. But, you know, I'm so grateful that I was able to identify in and, um, and not identify out because peace comes at the other end and a life of sane and happy usefulness. So thank you all for being there. And with that, I pass. 
Hoodie, thank you so much for getting us started. Hoodie read from page uh, on page 31, the second paragraph. Here are some of the methods. She just read the one paragraph. And uh, so if you haven't shared in the last day or so, and you have a desire to stop eating compulsively, who would like to share? Katie, Barbara. Shauna. Chris? Andrea. Leslie. Andrea. Leslie. Leslie. Hi, Leslie. Okay. Here's who I heard so far, you guys. Kathy Kay. And Kathy Kay. Okay. I'm going to stop it there. Here's who I heard in my small little brain here. I heard Katie. I heard Barbara. I think Shauna, if I'm not mistaken. Chris, Andrea, Leslie, and Kathy. So if you are not... Katie or Gabriella G, please mute your phone. Good morning, Katie. Good morning, Larry. Good morning, my friends. This is Katie G, Recovered in Boston. You know, when I first read this paragraph this morning, I was like, really, again? And then I read this line, we could increase the list ad infinitum. What does ad infinitum mean? Well, it means perpetually, eternally, endlessly, everlastingly. So we could have a Vision for You meeting between now and forever until the end of time. And each one of us could say starving, laxatives, Ipecac, you know, drugs, and, and continue forward. So what does that mean? You know, a lot of times um, uh, people call me and they're like, well, you know, how do I get to my bottom? And I was told when I was in my own relapse to stop digging, to stop digging, right? Because there is no, um, for me, there is no bottom out there. If I'm, if I'm still breathing, you know, and I'm in the food, there's another opportunity to do something insane with the food. But as was so beautifully pointed out yesterday, the most insane thing that I ever did was in a state of stone-cold abstinence to put that food back into my mouth because I spent years, double-digit years, proving over and over again that I have no power, no choice, and no control around the food. I get into the ring and the food takes me down. I, I can't do it. And so if, it, if we could increase this list ad infinitum, yes, I must identify in. Do I have this allergy of the body? Do I have an abnormal reaction to certain foods, ingredients, and behaviors that when I engage in them, it sets up what? An uncontrollable craving, an allergy of the body. And then do I have this greater malady, my mind, which convinces me after, and someone's unmuted, please mute. If, um, that's not my background noise. Um, if somebody, okay, my mind, which convinces me um, that, that food is, is going to fix it, and here's how. And today, as a recovered woman, like, I need to look at, please mute your phone, I need to look at the countless, am I, am I, Am I back in that? Am I back in problem solving? Am I back in trying to fix things, to control things? Because again, what is the essence of this disease? Is it a disease that is inside of me over any period of time? It gets worse, never better. Um, and, and the biggest part is my desire to control. And today, praise God, I woke up this morning and all I knew is that I have a book that babysits me 24 hours a day, seven days a week, does not leave me alone, alone for one minute. 
it, right? Because I have a chronic fatal malady, and what is my solution? God. The only way I get to that solution, though, and I'm just wrapping up, um, Larry, is entire abstinence. No mushy squishy, I wonder if I'm abstinent. Entire abstinence and commitment to ongoing work in these 12 steps, uncovering, discovering, and most significantly discarding everything that's not me today. I am so grateful to be a member of Overeaters Anonymous. Thank you all, and I pass. Thanks, Katie. Yeah, if everyone could mute their phone. One time I, I, had, I was unmuted and I was ordering a coffee for my daughter, a double macchiato, frappuccino, whatever. Boy, that was embarrassing. Anyway, um, okay, Barbara, it's your turn. And followed by Shauna. Good morning, Barbara. Good morning, everyone. Oh, my goodness. I, too, have made a lot of crazy decisions in my life regarding food, gaining and losing 100-plus pounds. I didn't yet know I had an allergy to certain combinations of foods and food behaviors and a mental twist of the mind that would keep me going back to this disease that was killing me physically and spiritually. That was 22 years ago before I got to OA. Some of my diets were sane and many insane. I couldn't keep from going back to the food and my eating did get worse, never better. I never knew that if I was to recover, I would need to develop a relationship with a higher power of my no understanding. I would need an emotional and spiritual chiropractor that could and would transform me. I went from Weight Watchers to Diet Center to Optifast to pills to shots to one truly crazy plan where I could eat only bananas at every meal for an entire week, and then the next week, eat only sugar-free, yes, wait for it, gefilte fish at every meal, followed by turkey breasts the next week, and potatoes the week after that. Insane? Correct. I tried cough drops instead of hard candy. I went for TCBY, sugar-free froyo instead of ice cream. I, too, hear an unmute eating anything I wanted on weekends and then restricting during the week. The list did go on endlessly, infinitum if you wish. Yes, I always lost weight, but I always regained it all and more within six months. 22 years ago, there it is again, I heard about OA and figured I'd try that diet. But all I heard was the tools, and I am obedient so I did use them and I lost 130 pounds, but I still wasn't feeling good about myself and my place in the world. It wasn't until I started reading this book and really becoming aware of my physical allergy and mental twist and accepting that I needed something more than the tools if something magical might begin to occur. I needed to find my own emotional, my own emotional and spiritual chiropractor that could and would help me to be realigned if I was willing. And I was. I am and always will be a compulsive overeater, recovered one day at a time, but never cured. I must remember that every day. I may not understand my higher power, this miraculous spiritual chiropractor finishing up here, but I will be forever grateful 
and always working, never forgetting to say, thank you, God, thy will be done, not mine. I pass. Thanks, Barbara. Okay, I think I heard a Shauna. If I had that right, Shauna, followed by Chris. Was it Shauna? Shoshana, maybe? Uh, maybe, maybe it was Shani. you. Maybe Shani? Shani, it was you. I, I know it was you. Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> Thank <laughs> you. Um, this is Shani B. Recovered for today um, in Florida. Um, Shani, you know what we're going to do? We are going to, hold on one second. We are going to mute um, all the lines, and then you're going to have to come back in. Leah or Mel, if you could do that. And then Shani, you come back in. Can I be heard? Yeah, there you are. Thanks, Shani. Sorry for the interruption. Okay. Can you hear me now? There you go. Yeah, I can. Okay. Um, so actually, this I was really excited to get on this meeting this morning. Um, I'm part of another group, and we had to pick one of the paragraphs in the big book that meant, like, that truly, um, like, brought us in. And I had chosen this paragraph. Um, because this paragraph was like the first, I would say, like 30 years of my life, well, probably 20, 20 years of my life, you know, as a young child and then as a teenager and then as a, you know, young woman and then a young mom, always trying that, that obsessiveness with the weight. Um, but something that I realized made me different was that um, – my relationship with food was so shameful and so devastating. I hated, like I, I loved food, but I hated food. And I tried to figure out any way possible that it could be a part of my life, but yet not devastate me so deeply. And um, the big book has really brought me this comfort and this um, this understanding of why my relationship with food was so dysfunctional from like from the small age of like four years old um and i'm just so extremely grateful i'm actually going into a holiday tonight a three-day jewish holiday with a lot of just food that i would never be able to put down and um i truly feel reborn to be going into a holiday with just so much clarity and um so much higher power in me so thank you for letting me share Shani, thank you so much. Okay, we have Chris followed by Andrea. Chris, good morning. It's your turn. Good morning, everyone. This is Chris G. Recovered for today in Connecticut. Very grateful. Thank you all for your service, and thanks for letting me share. Um, so, yeah, I'm just like everybody else. I have tried everything, and I just want to focus specifically on a minute uh, for a minute on you know, these 12 step rooms that we seek our, seek our freedom within. And I used my disease used these rooms and the varied messages that are sometimes, you know, impure, meaning not of the big books solution. Um, and I went down that road after six months of, you know, maybe some recovery, if that's even possible. And I heard I was experimenting with other meetings 
um, that studied the big book, but that differed greatly from the very beginning chapters of the big book, which is, you know, the allergy of the body. And I was like, ooh, that's awesome. I get to eat whatever I want in moderation. How insane is that? Because I had tried to do that for decades. That is insanity because I'm a real compulsive overeater. I finally get it. Hallelujah. Um, so within these rooms, I went hopping, looking for the message. My disease sent me on a funny little twisted journey <laughs> um, to, to find a message that would allow me to feel like I was still in control. And all it did was send me down a rabbit hole with dead end after dead end after dead end and slowly started killing me again and gained 40 pounds back and was in my insane ego of trying to control everything um, and was become, building resentments again. And it, it, was, it was not good. So thank you, God, that I, I have come to realize, thank God this meeting is such a healthy meeting and it speaks the truth about the allergy for real compulsive overeaters. And I know that I have allergic foods. Every once in a while, I'll think, you know, think of a, a food item. And my whole body, even without ingesting it, reacts to the thought. <laughs> so I would say my body has a real good memory of the effect of those allergic foods, those alcoholic foods that I was always seeking. And um, thank you, God, I'm not ingesting them because now I can do the real work of you know, being of service to others, of living happy, joyous, and free, of living with rigorous honesty and making my amends as I need to every day and doing the, and the rigorous work of staying connected to my higher power and look, working on my character defects daily with my higher power because Lord knows I'm powerless over those too. So I'm just so grateful for this very healthy meeting that speaks the truth, and I'm so grateful that I don't need to seek elsewhere for the truth. It's right here in this room with all of you, and I'm so grateful that you all carry it with such kindness, compassion, and love. Um, so have a great day, and thanks for letting me share. Thanks so much, Chris. Okay, we have Andrea followed by Leslie. Andrea, good morning. Good morning again, Larry, and thank you for your service. So picture it. Yesterday, I'm in the West Village coming from a meeting, and I see all these individuals, and they're all eating ice cream, and it's a pretty warm day. So I think, you know what? I can eat ice cream too as long as it's sugar-free. Yeah. So I find this wonderful ice cream shop in the West Village called Big Gay Ice Cream, and I go in there, and I do what my disease wants me to do which is ask for sugar-free. So I go up to the counter, do you have sugar-free ice cream? And it, as the words came out of my mouth, I, I, the idea came into my head, Andrea, <laughs> aren't you like just shuffling the deck chairs on the Titanic there by asking for sugar-free ice cream? What are you thinking? Get out of there. And so before she even answered the question, I said, oh, sorry, and I raced out of there. Because for a split second, I genuinely thought if I did this, I could be like everybody else on the street. 
that I passed who were enjoying that scoop of refreshing ice cream on a warm late spring day. Truth of the matter is, I could definitely add to that list um, because I have my own little twists and um, ways of viewing what I can and can't do. Because even though every morning I get on this meeting and I acknowledge to myself that I am a compulsive overeater, I have a disease, I cannot eat like other people, sitting in the back of my brain is still this little voice that every now and again gets heard. And the voice is cunning, and it's, it's, I mean, it's good. It's just good at what it has to say to me to get me to start to do something. But I'm grateful because I do get on this meeting, and I do service, and I work the steps. And by doing those, or I have worked the steps. I'm looking to work the steps again um, very soon. So by doing those things, I have that other voice that says, what are you doing? Get out of there. And I thankfully, thank you, God, I follow what that voice tells me to do. So thank you so much for the service that I hear every morning on this meeting. And with that, I pass. Thanks, Andrea. Now seating the Leslie W. Party. Leslie W. Party. <laughs> Good morning. I know Sarah named me with some Rocky Top this morning, Larry. That's some Rocky Top. Um, thanks for your service. This is Leslie W. from Tennessee. I'm a recovered compulsive overeater and all the methods I have tried this paragraph brings back the memory of my peanut butter story. Oh, the love that I have for peanut butter. And it's so funny because I tried every nut butter on the market. I mean, I tried almond butter. I tried sunflower butter. I tried cashew butter. I tried natural with and without sugar, with natural cane sugar. My husband would come home and he'd say, and he'd see the peanut butter in the counter and he'd say, I thought you weren't supposed to have peanut butter anymore. Oh, no, no, it's okay because it's natural peanut butter. So I can have it. So it's all good. And he looked at me like, perplexed and uh, shook his head and knew better to say anything because if I said he said anything I would ram down his throat so that is insanity I used to travel with a jar of peanut butter in my suitcase in my purse um I used to hide jars of peanut butter in the house because God forbid that my husband knew that I was eating peanut butter like so I had a decoy um that I never touched, you know, that wasn't the real jar of peanut butter. These are the kind of things that I did. And I am happy to say today, through all of that craziness, and that went on for years, years, I had claw marks left on that peanut, that jar of peanut butter. And today, I'm happy to say that through the work of these 12 steps, and through God's divine intervention in my life, I can spoon out peanut butter for my kids every day and slap it on that bread and I can touch it. I can handle it. And I'm, I'm okay. And that is a freaking miracle. I mean, if you guys knew how bad I was with the peanut butter, you would know that that is a miracle for me today to, to be able to handle that substance and not want it, not lick my fingers, not taste it, not smell it nada and 
I, I gotta say that <laughs> who knew, who knew that sugar and who knew that these substances could be so cunning and powerful and baffling, but this is a real disease. And when, when it finally got through my, when, when it finally dawned on me that I could not eat peanut butter with impunity, I could not eat sugar-free ice cream with impunity, I could not do any of those things with impunity and be like other people, when I finally accepted that, that was the day that I became free. And I don't, I don't know, God, God, God gave me that acceptance. There's no way, there's no way I could have struck myself abstinent. There's just no way. And so I'm so thankful um, today to be on this line and, and to be here with all of you. Thanks, I passed. Thanks, Leslie. Good morning, Kathy. Thank you, Larry, for your service. This is Kathy Kay, recovered in Boston, and I love what I've been hearing. Um, I, you know, I've read this paragraph so many times, and every time we revisit it, something new um, comes to me about my own experience. Um, I've been in OA 20-some-odd years, and over those years, um, I've become aware little by little of not only substances but also food behaviors, which I really had to let go of in order to be abstinent for the long term. So it was relatively easy for me to accept that I had to give up sugar and white flour, and I tried to um, to live in a weighed and measured food plan without those two substances and had on and off abstinence. And I, I couldn't figure out why I was still having problems uh, with the physical aspects of this disease. Of course, part of it was my lack of spiritual fitness, but the other part was that I was still ingesting things that I thought were safe for me that really weren't. Um, and so over time, I had to also let go of artificial sweeteners. Um, and um, I did that several years ago um, but still um, would find myself taking extra food, abstinent food, mind you, but not within my weight and measured food plan. And it wasn't until I recognized that I could limit my intake of food in terms of the types of food, and I had done that quite well, and really gotten down to the basics, but I was still overeating occasionally. Um, I thought I could uh, go somewhere without my scale and um, not overeat, just approximate things. And but lo and behold, I found myself taking extra food um, and so I had to look even more deeply into my food behaviors. Um, and while it was not necessarily uh, the case that having a scale at every meal was what I needed, <clears throat> it has become the case that at every meal 
I need to check in with my higher power before I take my portions and not go back for seconds. Um, and even though everything on my plate is abstinent uh, according to my food plan, I also need to uh, stay connected to my higher power so that that devious disease thinking does not come back into my head that says, oh, an extra bite or two won't matter. Um, Because as it turns out, when I take those extra bites, I loosen up my commitment and my food boundaries, which are so important uh, to my recovery. Very subtle distinction that has refined my behavior in the last year or so to the point where I'm able to refrain entirely from extra food, uh, extra abstinent food for that matter. Um, And I I think overall I've been able to do that principally because of my daily disciplines and my commitment to working the steps on a daily basis. It's the spiritual and the physical recovery are so intertwined. And with that, I pass. Thanks so much, Kathy. Okay, just if you're wondering where we're at, we're on page 31. We read the second paragraph only. Here are some of the methods. Um, who would like to share on what was read? Julie. Laura M. Melissa C. Monica T. Monica. Julie E.B. Julie. There was a male voice in there. Who was that? That was that was Chuck K. Hey Chuck. Okay, I got you. Here's good who I who. Good morning. I, here's who I heard so far. We'll stop there. And uh, sometimes there's voices in my head. Let's see. Nancy, Laura, Melissa, Monica, Julie, and Chuck K. Let's go. Um, if Nancy, did I hear you? Or was that? Yes. Okay. Let's Nancy start with Kate. Nancy. Good. Good morning, Nancy. Hi, Larry. Thanks for letting me share. Let me just start my timer. Um, so here are some of the methods we tried, and it goes on. For me, the worst of the methods that I tried were after I had 25 years of, um, or during the 25 year, the first 25 or the, the middle 25 years that I had in this program. I mean, I came into this program when I was really just a little girl, about 11, and um, you know, didn't really work the program at all, so didn't know what I didn't know. And then when I got out of college, I, um, I had some, um, some little success when I lived at home and my mother weighed and measured my food and put, packed my lunch and put my dinner on the table in front of me when I got home at night. Um, but, you know, once I moved out of her house into my own apartment, I tried a lot of things. I never was, I hate the word abstinent, like it's a moral issue or it's, or it's even a state of being. I just, I never could put the food down. And I tried a lot of different things. And you know, I had a very dear friend, I still have this very dear friend in program that would say, you know, I'd complain about whatever it was that, you know, I ate and this happened and I ate or, and she'd say, well, write about it. And I, and so this whole thing about, you know, with and without a solemn oath, I mean, I, I kept a journal that was completely useless and I used to write in it, you know, please God, let, you know, take away this obsession and, you know, with and without tears, same thing, with and without a solemn oath, it what didn't do me any good at all. And, you know, all of this was while I was going to meetings and listening and hearing and all the things that the other things, switching meetings, switching food plans, switching sponsors, 
you know, making phone calls, not making phone calls, eating sugar in limited amounts, and then saying, forget it, I'm not going to have a food plan, all that. And, you know, my question to myself was when I heard about this new phone meeting, this meeting of vision, a vision for you, how did I know that was going to work? And the answer is I didn't because all of it never addressed the bottom, the base issue, which was surrender. And, you know, I, you know, with and without tears, but I, I didn't admit that I was powerless over food. When I think about that, you know, how I couldn't get my mind around that and that I'm, you know, I'm compulsive overeater and I'm powerless over food and my life was unmanageable, powerless over food and my life is unmanageable. Um, you know, I had periods of, you know, where I didn't hurt myself with food, but I didn't ever um, grow my spiritual life. I didn't practice four through nine. And so how could I have expected to get better? Once I get into vision, immediately I picked up the phone on December 1st, 2017, and I've not had to hurt myself with food since then. You know, a miracle, but as my sponsor says, not a mystery, because I followed all the rules, all the things that it says in the book, exactly to the best of my ability, without delay. And guess what happened? Food is no longer an issue. I, too, can bake and cook and go anywhere and do anything. I'm done, but um, um, I too can do all those things without fear. And um, it's, yeah, it's, it's a miracle, but not a mystery. So anybody that hasn't surrendered, think about doing that and see what happens. And with that, I'll pass. Thanks, Nancy. Okay, we have Laura followed by Melissa. Good morning, Laura. Good morning. Thank you all for your service today. This is Laura M. walking in recovery one day at a time in Missouri and so happy to be here with you guys. So when I read this, um, here's what I heard. Here are some of the messages we have tried. Controlling, controlling, bargaining, controlling, restricting, controlling, manipulating, controlling, and even more controlling. And, and it was just kind of funny how the words sw- really swam on the page and that's that's all I was seeing was control, control, control. And and then something else popped in my mind. And, you know, thank you that in this meeting we read this book over and over and over. And slowly I'm learning this thing because what popped into my mind was something that's going to come later. You know, right now we're focusing on step one and, and it's being hammered home about our powerlessness and our unmanageability. But there's something later that is a promise to me what's going to come later and and it and that promises we have ceased fighting anything or anyone we have been placed in a position of neutrality safe and protected we have not even sworn off so long as we keep in fit spiritual condition and i stand on those promises every day that you know um like has been shared this is a progress process this is a program and as long as I follow this program, I see what you've done, I, I see where you've gone, and I know that that's, that's the promise. This is the program, follow the process, and I too um, can live in that neutrality and not have to live in controlling, restricting, and bargaining. And for that, I am so grateful and glad to be with you all, and I pass. Have a wonderful day. Thank you, Laura. Okay, we have Melissa followed by Harmonica. Melissa, good morning. Hi, good morning, Larry. I'm here. Can you hear me? 
Yep, you're coming through. Okay, okay, great. Good morning. Thank you for your service. Tell us to see a recovered compulsive overeater. And, um, yeah, so next to methods, you know, I had listed diets. Um, that was one of my earlier assignments that I had done um, that I think was, was really good. I needed to see all the crazy things that I had done in an attempt to um, be normal, you know, to just be normal. And, um, you know, so they, they were crazy. And I'm sure, you know, if I listed them, uh, others have tried them as well. And, you know, when I really look at those methods, um, they, the problem was is they actually were really effective um, if, if the diagnosis um, was just weight loss. You know, if my problem was only that I was overweight, um, diets work. You know, if you restrict your caloric intake and you move more, and even if you do some crazy things, um, I, I, you have weight loss. I have weight loss. And so the real problem was, um, for me, was I had not had a, a clear diagnosis. You know, I didn't really recognize what it was I was up against. And, you know, there's a, a woman on the line, you know, a friend of ours on the line, who says, she thanks God for every beautiful bite she's taken. And I thank God for every ridiculous method I tried as well. Because that flushed out the idea that I was going to fix this thing on my own. And, you know, um, one of the greatest things that happened for me was um, I reached a point where, although I was still overweight, I, I realized I didn't care if I didn't lose another pound. I just couldn't live anymore with the pain of my thinking. Um, and so I had done, you know, with never going to solve that issue. And Melissa, we, you're in the tunnel. We lost you, I think. Well, we'll, we'll come back. Um, Monica, are you available, followed by Julie? Good morning, Monica. Hey, Larry. Yes, I am. Good morning. Can you hear, can you hear me, Larry? Yeah, I can. Thanks, Monica. Okay. Good morning, Larry. Good morning, everyone. This is Monica T., presently in Vermont. And I am a recovered compulsive overeater. So here we are in Chapter 3, more about alcoholism. And I have a subtitle, What Will Happen If You Don't Accept the Solution? And, of course, this chapter is dealing with with, um, Step 1, the second part of Step 1, the unmanageability, dealing with my mind and the mental obsession. And my mind just does not work like a normal person. I have an inability to think straight when it comes to my disease. So I, along with everyone else here, diddle, diddle, diddle on all these different ways that I tried to um, to beat the game. Um, you know, I didn't know what I didn't know. Of course, I didn't, wasn't aware of the allergy or the crazy thinking. So I tried all of these things. And I liked the one, you know, with and without a solemn oath. There was frequently an oath every morning, you know, bad words included, uh, that I was going to be good today. And and I also, you know, 
taking a trip, not taking a trip. Well, I tried silly things like, well, you know, if I got this little sports car, then I would behave and I would be good and I would stay on my plan. Or maybe if I got a this special piece of jewelry, that will do, you know, how crazy. But the big book is really wanting me to identify here. Identify. How... You know, have I done some of these things? What's my thinking? That's what the big book's trying to get us here in this chapter. My thinking, the crazy way I think, you know, and diddle diddle on the peanut butter story. I've got the same story, you know, how crazy. Why do I continue to eat something that that's killing me? Anyway, what I really wanted to get at was, you know, these are all human aids here that we're reading about that I am trying, that I tried and that I need something beyond human aid. I need a spiritual solution. And that's the only thing that's worked for me, is working through the steps, getting a relationship with a higher power, and turning to that higher power, and God help me. You know, God help me, I'm a crazy woman. And and, and I believe I'm a crazy woman when it comes to food, because I am. And when I do that, it works. And uh, I'm so grateful for this program. Thank you. Thanks so much, Monica. Okay, we have Julie followed by Charles K. from Georgia. Hey, Julie, good morning. Good morning. This is Julie E.B. gratefully recovered today in the Garden of the Gods. We, here are some of the methods we have tried. I love to focus on those three words. I can identify in, gained and lost over 1,000 pounds, in my lifetime with every single method. But here's the deal. We, today we're not alone on this meeting. I didn't do the count. We got hundreds of people on this meeting, thousands, maybe even more methods that we have tried. There's a little character, not going to raise an outside issue, but uh <laughs> little character from a famous uh, sci-fi that says try or not try do <laughs> do oh here's the methods we have tried and boy did i have self-pity from trying boy did i have shame from trying and failing i mean i try we try people and if you're still trying it's so strange because the harder I'm trying, the more self-will I'm in. And when I was done trying in the food, then I was trying in the character defects. Oh, I'm going to eliminate criticism, argument, and fault-finding. I have three teenagers at home right now, and let me say, it's not a matter of trying. It's a matter of letting go and asking God for the next right action. We have tried... But the question is, what will I do when someone comes to we with the next problem or controversy? What will I do when the food is put in front of me? What will I do to set up my day and make an abstinent food list that keeps me safe and protected by my higher power? What will I do in the morning for meditation? What will I do if I have a, an itch, an uncomfortable feeling, what will I do? Here's the warning at the end. We could go on emptonitum. I believe that I could go back to relapse in one minute, one second. 
without even thinking. So I have to do actions today, whether I'm in or out of the food. I'm in that same place of needing to do. Um, because otherwise, I could go on in this life forever. That's about me trying. And as I look around at these rocks that are bigger than anything I could build and have been here longer than I have been alive, I realize I'm just a creature. There's another creator. There's something bigger than me. And so this life is not about me trying and failing. This life is about me accepting and being loved, cared for, and protected. Thanks for letting me share, and I pass. Thank you, Julie. All right, Chuck, you're going to wind us down this morning. Good morning, Chuck Kay. Good morning. This is Chuck Kay from Georgia. Can you hear me? Yeah, you're coming through, Chuck. I was sitting there getting tickled with myself. I'm I'm on the side of the road on the edge of my seat going, I hope nobody picks the diet I want to bring up. How many of us have tried the OA diet? That's the one where we know the book. We read the literature every day. We sponsor we go to meetings, we chair conventions, and we still pick up food. We leave meetings and we go to places that we shouldn't be going to eat because it's out of our nutritionist plan. We pick up foods that are alcoholic. We look in the mirror and we say, I don't even think that's an alcoholic food for me. And I'm scared. That's the reason I'm saying it. What, what about when our sponsors say, well, you, you don't seem to be having any physical recovery. And you say, oh, I've got spiritual and emotional recovery. That's not is that good enough. I just need time. Uh, you chair a convention. You talk in front of a bunch of people, and then you leave the meeting, and you go, why in the hell am I still gaining weight? Why can't I put this food down? The OA diet is a tricky one. I was in it. I know about it. I was thinking I really never tried a lot of diets growing up. You know, growing up, I, there was a few of them. My favorite was the Reese's Peanut Butter Cup Diet. That's the one I liked the most. But that OA diet was tricky. It t I was in it for about two and a half years. And I had myself convinced that I was on the right path, and I probably was. Because it took me to the point where I talked to somebody, and they, they showed me that I was powerless, that I had tried everything. And I was in a position to see that. And I love what I heard this morning. The one thing I heard this morning was I remember being afraid of where my bottom was. Where was my bottom? What do I have to do to get to my bottom? And I love the line, just stop digging. And that's what I had to do. And I think some of it came from within me, but some of it came from, but mostly it came from God. And I guess I had to experience the OA diet to get to a place where I could experience recovering or being recovered, I'm sorry. I'm saying all the word, wrong words this morning. But that recovered feeling is a wonderful feeling. And I like that lady that said that about the peanut butter, because the peanut butter is one for me too. And now I have four garbage grocery destroyers living in my house that eat everything. And I have to handle it. And I have to fix it sometimes. And I have to make sure we have it in the house so that they and their friends have stuff to eat. And I'm neutral with it. I don't want it. I don't not want it. It's just I'm neutral with it. We go on vacations, and it's right in my face, right next to me all the time, and I'm neutral. And I'm thankful for that. And I guess in a way I am thankful for the OA diet and all these other things that I've had to experience to get me that point where I gave up the power. And I said, God, I really don't know about this sugar, but you can have it. I'm not even going to eat ketchup. And if somebody asks me what I'm doing, 
and they're not in program, all I have to say is I don't eat sugar and I don't eat between meals. And, yes, that means no ketchup. And they give me that funny look. And then I go, well, ketchup is half sugar, so I don't eat it. And I'm like, wow. And so I'm just thankful for program. And I got really excited when I didn't hear anybody say anything about the OA diet, and I wanted to bring that one up too. So if there's anybody in that diet, I hope they get to that part point that I got to and just is able to give the power away. Thanks for letting me share. Thanks, Chuck. All right. Thank you, everybody, for joining us this morning. Uh, please join us for a second unrecorded hour of study immediately following closing. Let me give you the share ID for today, uh, Friday, June 7th. That is 13008, 13,008 for today. Okay. Um, let's see. We will now close with a reading from a Boston Red Sox fan from the big book on page 164, followed by the Serenity Prayer. Would Janice P.M. read for us? Hi, Janice. <laughs> Thank you so much, Larry. Yes, this is Janice P.M. from Boston, Massachusetts, recovered gratefully. Our book is meant to be suggestive only. We realize we know only a little. God will constantly disclose more to you and to us. Ask him in your morning meditation what you can do each day for the man who is still sick. The answers will come if your own house is in order. But obviously, you cannot transmit something you haven't got. See to it that your relationship with him is right, and great events will come to pass for you and countless others. This is the great fact for us. Abandon yourself to God as you understand God. Admit your faults to him and to your fellows. Um, clear away the wreckage of your past. Give freely of what you find and join us. We shall be with you in the fellowship of the Spirit, and you will surely meet some of us as you trudge the road of happy destiny. May God bless you and keep you. Until then.